Hello, welcome to the Box I Live In podcast with me, Ben Reeve, and Blake Howard. How are you, Blake? Oh, I'm good, Ben. How are you, mate? We are very good, thank you. Yeah, and we're here again with another special guest, somebody who I've known for, I've just worked out for over six years, Rather Gopali. Welcome. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> and as you can tell from that, it's another conversation with someone I know quite well. And this, you are, I basically, and I think we've had this chat, right? I have used this podcast series to connect with people to talk to people that I have found interesting in my life. Mm. And I know I'm winning because my daughter's Alice, who you've met, she did say to me the other day, she goes, you've actually had some interesting people on the <laughs> show, haven't you? And I thought, well, that's not bad coming from an 18-year-old. So I'm um, delighted that you and I can sit down and have a chat because we have been talking one-on-one and normally we're on that side of the room having a chat. But I'm yeah. kind of excited today to explore your career and where you're at because mm. I think you're one of the few people I've ever met that I would suggest actually has a vocation. <laughs> Right. Very exciting. I actually had to look up what the word vocation meant last night. I did was like, you? I was like, do I have one of those? So, do you think you do? I think I do. Let's talk about it. Let's see how we go. So, tell you what, why don't you introduce yourself? And I haven't done the big corporate, but I did go online. But I'll let you introduce yourself mm-hmm. a little bit about who you are and what you do, and then we'll jump into whether it's a vocation or not. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, my name is Radha Kapali. I'm managing director of investor services at New Forests. Um, and so New Forest is a sustainable forestry investment management company. So we manage capital for um, large investors like pension funds, reinsurance companies, sovereign wealth funds. Um, and we're investing their capital in sustainable forests, conservation finance, carbon markets, um, and really trying to have forestry as a core part of the transition to a sustainable future. And it's that sustainable future bit that I would suggest is your passion, right? Because there's lots of people that work in the investment space where Mm -hmm. it's about the investments. But the investment is a vehicle to save the planet. That's why I reckon you've got a Mm -hmm. vocation. Is (laughs) is that your passion? Yeah, I think that um, the way that we've done things in the past is not going to serve us into the future. And the people and the planet and all the animals in it are worth saving. See, now, until I met you, <laughs> I knew that I heard that, but I was kind of like, oh, yeah, but it's not my problem. But yeah. I think you've made me aware of that, and you've probably <laughs> made it. Then I feel guilty, because it's like, oh, God. And I don't feel guilty. It's not about me, right? But I think I think that's the reality, is you think bigger. You're thinking a lot bigger than I mm. than I ever have done. Now, is that, is that, has this been something you've always wanted to do? Because this is kind of the question. You know I've spoken, as I said, about specifics. But I'm interested in how you ended up in this space. Like, what's your journey then to this point? Um, and I've got some time to talk about this. <laughs> you have indeed, as long as you like. <laughs> now, I was, you know, I was reflecting on um, on this particular point, and um, I take this back to how I grew up. And um, I'm Indian American, so you know, my parents immigrated from um, India to the U.S. in in the '60s, early '70s, and. So I grew up in suburban Richmond, Virginia, uh, really kind of very middle class, very suburban, um, you know, kind of uh, uh, upbringing. But I would um, every so often spend a summer in India and going to India in in the 1980s as a kid, um, I saw real poverty uh, and uh, real struggle. Um, I saw pollution. Um, and it was very intimate as well. I mean, we, we, you know, we are a family that's kind of upper middle class or, um, in, in, in India. And, um, so we had domestic servants and things like that in our, in our family home and saw real 
disparity between 10-year-old me and the 10-year-old kid, like, you know, as a servant in the household um, where my family was. Um, and it made a huge impression on me and made me realize that um, the way I was growing up in Richmond, Virginia, was not necessarily what was happening in other parts of the world. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, those kinds of experiences, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a very sensitive person, so I think I sort of took, uh, took a lot of that on board. And um, and I think that's what kind of drove me to, to study international relations, um, economics, political economy, to try and kind of understand the world um, I'm, I'm living in and, and economics as a driver of it. Um, and I... Uh, Sort of my first year out of university, I had a real kind of aha moment um, where um, I was doing a, a fellowship at a think tank and thinking about, you know, where do I want to go from here? What matters to me? And just through a lot of the reading and thinking I'd been doing, um, I realized it's always been about the environment yeah. for me, um, trade in the environment, people in the environment, women in the environment. Like it was always like this thing that I was studying. I, I think I did my first, you know, thing on a uh, project on tropical deforestation when I was 12 years old, like for science class, you know, so, um, so anyways, so, you know, we've been breaking yeah. our city just really like at 12 years old, I could only write my name. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll talk for myself, but like, I could write you. Like, so. That's, it's pretty advanced. And obviously that sense of fairness, like that real deep seated fairness in the sense of morality comes through in your impressions of like 10 year old you versus the 10 year old house servant like that. That must have like, that must have had such a deep seated impression on you at that time to then yeah. influence everything that happened. Yeah, and no, I mean, I, I remember wanting to play with the kids who are working in the you know in the big farmhouse in India, and I couldn't play with them because they had to do, do their chores or whatever. Yeah. And um, there was a multiple incidents like that, and it was just really confronting for me uh, as a kid. Um, and yeah, and, and there's just, the world is so beautiful, you know, I think I was lucky to, to travel as a kid and as a teenager and in my 20s, um, uh, and that, that that definitely kind of influenced where I went, and in this kind of aha moment of realizing it was always about sort of environmental issues for me, what I care deeply about, um, I mean, you know, at the age of sort of 22, 23, I decided, because I liked economics and I thought business was really important, that if we were going to see any change on how we address sustainable development, climate issues, we're going to have to transform um, business and yeah. have capital flow into climate solutions and sustainable development solutions. I mean, I don't know, call that pressure or whatever, but at 22, 23, that's what I decided I wanted to do, and that's what I've been doing for 20 years. It's amazing, isn't it? And, and then it's an interesting one, though, because that compassion that you've got, and also the, I guess, the intellect about seeing how it evolves as opposed to, you know, just the, you know, actually understanding the the, 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 econ the, the economy and being able to see how we need to shift that. Mm. It, it also makes you, I would imagine, and I know it does, it makes you vulnerable because you care so much. Mm. So, so you've got this huge kind of desire to actually save and to change the planet. And then you've also got this reality of having to work within a business environment with individuals and also, you know, be a partner, be a mum, be a friend. Mm. I, I can't, you know, it's like, can you do it all? This is this is where I get to, because for a certain <laughs> degree, it's like, because I, I kind of, well, you know, 
sometimes it's good not to have too many aspirations because it's kind of easy just you know, honestly it's kind of good just to wake up you know I think I had two aspirations in my life one was to meet somebody that would marry me and the other one was actually to come to Australia so like you know but it was like yeah, you're in a retired then and that was it and then so I sit here putting you know and I, and, and I you can't fake this stuff but I think as I said through our conversations it, it's this duality of as I said of saving the planet but also living your life I mean is is do, you, do they work in unison? Do they conflict? Like, do you have to make trade-offs? I think in, in my, I think one of the things that's been really important to me um, as, an, as an adult who's been on this kind of career journey has been to think about what's the lifestyle that I want. And lifestyle has really meant different things to me at different times. So um, it's meant, do I want to work 16 hours a day or do I want to work eight hours a day? Um, do, am I ready to just be single and have fun, or do I want to meet someone? Kids or no kids, um, not traveling, traveling the world. Um, and I think those have been quite specific choices um, at different times of my life, um, and really thinking about, you know, um, not only uh, career fulfillment, but also um, my personal life, my health, my yeah. mental well-being, you know, um, because I have had... When I, when I started at New Forest in, in 2006, we were a startup, and, and I started our U.S. business, and I worked incredibly intensely. I mean, startup life is incredibly intense. Um, and and there were often def- short, rather, as a yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so they don't tell you in a startup. They're like, this. don't worry, we're going to work really fast, and then we're going to be consumed or subsumed into some company, so don't worry, the 20 hours you're working a day <laughs> for six months – it's all going to finish. But by the sounds of things, obviously New Forest has evolved and bloomed into its own thing. So Yeah, and the set of challenges um, have changed over time as well. I mean, one of the reasons I started working with Ben in 2015 was I'd gone through startup, you know, done a lot of good work and found myself then in, in an executive role. And I went, I have no idea what that actually means yes. and what that actually means for my job now, what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and so I think that uh, it's been, to get back to the, the question of, you know, um, trade-offs and how you balance everything, I think it's really important to be um, intentional and to prioritize. Um, and so the day-to-day gets really busy, um, but, you know, I, I try to think about um, uh, my family life and my health and sleep. And I think one of the things that's really resonated of something that you've said, Ben, is how do you have the most amount of impact with the least amount of work? <laughs> and it's it's and, and it's and it's and it's funny, but it's true. Yeah. Um, that's, see, that's the laziness in me. Uh, <laughs> but, but that's good. But, right? but I really take that on board because it means um, it's actually made me really think about um, at work where do I focus my time? You know, I I'm on boards uh, as well and. While in some ways that's more work, um, in addition to being an executive, I think about it as a way to maximize impact through other people and other organizations. Um, and so it's really about trying to carve out the time and space for those different things. And, and I think it's interesting because you are doing all of that. And I think my, you know every exec you talk to, I think to a certain degree there's this, this scale of consciousness that they have. I think you're incredibly conscious about what's working through. But what's interesting for me is you're doing all of that and equally, there is this, and it's a vocation, right? You, you know, mm. there is, you're on a crusade to to, to to help people to change the planet. 
And so, so it's because then it's almost like you get the balance right. But that's that's never. And it's interesting because I didn't know kind of the origins to where that came from. But that's mm. been with you your whole life. So, mm. you know, for the, for someone like myself that can switch on and off, you know, I, I, I do the work, I do the stuff, I come home. But then there's, you know, for me, well, I could occupy myself with what I do this weekend. Whereas, you know, for yourself, I guess there's always this, not that you're not thinking like that, but there's always this also broader question about, well, what are we doing to take a step forward to actually have an impact? And, and I think for me, that's the interesting part as well, because it's not, you know, because every time you and I speak, it's almost your downtime, you know, when you're not with the family and doing the relaxation. It's, it's the thinking. It's the where do we go with this? How do we make this work? Yeah, and it becomes very personal. You know, it's about also your personal decisions of how you're living your life where you're shopping, what you're eating, what you're doing. I mean, once you start to realize uh, how <clears throat> every single action that we take, you know, impacts uh, you know, the planet or environmental issues, it can become all-consuming, actually. And so you do have, have to have ways to, <laughs> to, to manage that and live your life. And, um, and it is a challenge. So what are those ways, <laughs> Because Because that's the bit that I'm interested in. Because I think... There's a lot, I and mean, whether it's vocation is, you know, to save the planet or whether it's something else, I, I see a lot of people, and, and it's not that we've got to, in, we, sometimes we don't have to encourage these people to invest. If anything, they're over-invested. And so I'm delighted, I'm delighted that that one bit of advice, which is, you know, maximum return for minimum amount of effort <laughs> stuck, because I think there's so much we can do, but when you sit back, you've got to be able to pinpoint and to know that if I'm going in here, it's going to have this processional effect. So, 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 how do you how do you switch off? Like, is there ever an off switch, or is it just about that balance? Like, how do you keep yourself centered? How does it not become all consuming? I uh, I find that sleep is really important. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about your sleep? Getting better, right? <laughs> I find sleep's really important. Um, I find. Um, Yoga uh, for me is really important um, to actually just connect back to something as elemental and as breathing in my body um, and just stopping uh, is incredibly important. Um, going to the park with my son and um, and living completely in the present moment the way only that a four year old um, can do is uh, is amazing. Um, and you know, just spending time with friends um and my husband yeah uh, that's really critical and living in the here and now because you could spend your entire time worrying about the future and but you know we're living today rather can i ask you a question about and this is something that struck me and what you talked about is a lot of young people men or women who get to a point in their lives later in their 30s and they do these reflections that sometimes people like ben guide us through like how did you get here and you're like i don't know i don't know how i got here but one of the things that struck me about talking to you is that you were able to sort of navigate what you were doing by living very deliberately. Like how how did you know how to make those value judgments at a young age? Because that's something that like if you could go back to yourself and do that exercise of like what advice would you give yourself? It's actually being able to do what you said, which is the the job I have influences the lifestyle I have. The decisions that I make now, there are trade-offs, but there's positives and negatives. How did you learn that that exercise from early on in your career? I mean, the first step for me is I, I've always had to live, you know, a life that's aligned with my values. Yes. Um, and to have a career that's aligned with my values. I couldn't I couldn't not do that. Yes. Um, because to me then that's not truthful. That's not integrity so yes it's that's really important and that's just innate to who to who i to who i am yes. um 
and that set me on a path. And and it only in some ways it only makes sense in hindsight, but now I've realized that it's a practice, uh, which is that um, I try to be in set intentions, and and it's not that this uh, it might sound a bit um, hokey, but I do I do realize that if you set intentions, the universe will deliver, <laughs> and and it's so, and it's often really surprising, and and I think actually what that means is that once you set intentions, aligned with your values or what you think is important to you, it means that you actually start making decisions that start setting you on a path. Yes. Um, and it'll only make sense in hindsight. And I don't, I don't believe in fate. Um, but I do believe that um, intentionality means that you start behaving and thinking in a, in a certain way. Um, and I think with the aspect of, you know, lifestyle and, you know, what's important to you, I think that just has come with experience because I have been burnt out. I have been, um, you know, just dog tired or not happy. <laughs> and when you start asking yourself, well, why is that? It usually points to the fact that you're not taking care of yourself yes. in some in some way, shape or form. And so I think the wisdom that comes with age is uh, <laughs> realizing that you have to prioritize those things. And it's not all about work. You know, work is just... It's one aspect of life. There's a couple of things there. I mean, for me, what I love is that to a certain degree, you know, the connection of making sustainable global change starts with a good sleep and some breathing. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think, but I think this is what people don't get. I think they see them as disconnected, whereas, yeah. you know, and it comes back to the box, right? And the box, you know, is there because of this realisation I've had that, if we're not looking after ourselves in that context, then it doesn't matter what you aspire to in your career or what intention you've got, you can't follow through. And I think there's a wonderful, and with yourself, it's kind of very cool because, as you said, if I'm going to be a crusader for change, it does start with me being in the present moment. And and, that, and that's not contradictory. That's that's actually the duality of what you've got to hold. But it's kind of the two interesting things yes. that you've got to hold in parallel. And, mm. and they can be quite contradictory at times. Mm. Because me sitting here being present with my family, is that really a force for global change? Well, of course it isn't in its own right, but as a connection to what you're doing, it does. The other thing, though, that's really interesting for me, and I think, and I don't know if this is something, and, and again, you know, I've spoken a lot around, you know, in terms of you were looking at different situations and this, this intention and what you just mentioned there. So you talk about setting an intent and having an intent. So, so what do you do? Like, is there a process you run for that? Is it a question of reflection? Like, how do you actually set this intent? Because I agree with you. I think if you know what you want, the universe will give you a way to find that because you're looking for it. You know, like I said, it's not fate. It's more like you're tuned into the fact that I want this outcome. So you start to find people that can come on your podcast. It's kind of <laughs> cool, right? Because I want to do a podcast. Yeah. Or who knew? So how do you go about setting those intents personally? Like, what have you learned from your own experiences? Um, I think... I tend to think a lot, so yeah. if, that ha if that hasn't come out yet, <laughs> I, 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 I ruminate and I think a lot. Um, so even if you're like having a conversation with me, usually there's something ticking along in the background. Um, so I think a lot and uh, explore my um, explore my feelings, and I might say, okay, well, I want to go and do this, or I want to go and do that, and I will ask myself the question, why? You know, why do I want to do that? Is that about my ego, or is that about something that is going to get us closer to like where, you know, the company needs to be or where the world needs to be or what have you, you know, I try to be, 
really think through those things because ego often will come into play when you're thinking about your career and where you're going to go. Um, and I tend to write is actually what I do. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll journal or I'll write something and, um, and I might not solve anything, but then I'll come back like six months later, a year later and go, okay, well, am I on that path? Am I not on that path? Um, and I have a very good executive coach, um, <laughs> named Reed, uh, who's been hugely, hugely, uh, no, all joking aside, I, I mean, you've been a, a huge part of the last six years for me. Um, in terms of just being able to think through and work through, you know, um, how to think about these decisions, how to have conversations, what are the questions to ask, how to navigate other human beings. Um, so yeah. that's, it, I think it's actually really hugely important um, to have, you know, allies or people that you can, that you can think about this. And, and you, you've been hugely helpful. And, you know, having a couple of mentors um, outside of my immediate workspace have also been really important in terms of thinking about those intentions and that journey. It's fun, isn't it? Because it's, you know, it's, it's most of my clients, and I don't do much executive coaching because, you know, as we start off, I kind of get introduced to them. and It's not something I kind of do. But over time, it's funny that, that you know, the ones that stick around and what don't disappear after three or four conversations because <laughs> I think they think I'm completely flaky <laughs> or I literally haven't read it. You know, it's, it, we've all to be friends, right? That's yeah. that's the joy of this. Yeah. It kind of because for me, it's the and that's the mentoring and that's the exercise. And I think you know, for anybody, and maybe it comes back to you know us as leaders as well, right? Both of us have also mm -hmm. spoke about being leaders. It's that ability to create the space to have the conversations and ask those questions of others. And also, yeah. I think I've said it before, it's so much easier to solve somebody else's problems than your own. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're not emotionally yeah. attached. Yeah. Your thinking is clear because you're not dealing with all the beliefs and all the crazy shit. Yeah. And it's kind of like, oh, really? You think like that? Have you but thought of this? I just <laughs> remember when my daughter was born, I had this situation where I said to my wife, I go, I'm not doing any of these freelance gigs anymore or these gigs anymore unless they pay me well. I go, that's it. I go, I'm not... I'm not here for a good time. I'm just here. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. And I, I threw that out in the universe and just like this weird intention that Rather's talking about, I had more paid work offered yeah. in the next three months <laughs> yeah. with a newborn than any other time in my career. And I'm like, I don't know what, I don't know the universe delivered. Yeah. Like it's just, it's sometimes you do it when you're just objective about what your goals are. Hey, hey explain this to me. Cause it's something I've been meaning to ask you and we haven't caught up because I know you, you know, you, you do play on some pretty serious stages as well, right. In terms of, you know, well-connected and global forums and, and, you know, there's, there's with, with some of the big names. Yes. And so I know you did a big conference. What was that? A couple of months ago in February, in February. And you were chairing that, right? So do, yeah. do, can you talk us a little bit about that? Because then my follow-up question is kind of goes back to the breathing piece. But what, what were you involved in? Because it was quite impressive, right? Yeah, so 30% um, of the solution for climate change between now and 2030 is what we call natural climate solutions. So it's about conserving forests, improving the management of forests and agriculture, and, and doing an extraordinary amount of restoration and reforestation around the world. And so while a lot of investors understand the clean energy transition um, that needs to be undertaken, most people don't really understand what's the investment in the sustainable land use transition that needs to happen in this whole area of natural climate solutions. And for me, it's one of my big goals is to ensure that um, as we have kind of undergo this net zero transition, that land use and the environment, nature are central uh, to that. So myself and... Um, uh, another colleague based out of London, we essentially uh, put together a 
um, a virtual convening with major investors around the world around natural climate solutions. So we had something like 35 investors and asset managers representing about $10 trillion worth of capital um, show up uh, to that. Um, And so uh, I hosted uh, that. And yeah, so we had some some big name speakers um, as part of uh, as part of that uh, convening. And this was at like two o'clock. It in was the two night. to five two to five in the morning Australian <laughs> time because um, pretty much anything that's happening is you know has to be in the European or American time zone. So, so I think I mean it's it's interesting. I think we, we, I want to explore at the end like what can <laughs> we, we value our sleep, but yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but I love that. See, for me, it's the juxtaposition if you're sitting there, and it was re- it was a slick production because you showed me some of it, right? Yeah. And I think even the feedback from these guys and girls that work in this space were like, hey that was cool i mean you you guys absolutely nailed it but what i love is that you get off that at five o'clock and then like are you down there like being mum are you making cups of tea i'm playing i with slept the in that morning oh, <laughs> for three hours <laughs> but, but, is, but is that jack's position again it comes back to the solving the world's problem and then being present i, I guess because i always find it you know yeah. you've been out training you, you you kind of like there's a bit of a rock star in the room there's only 20 people when i'm yeah. working it but you know if, if they buy you you're kind of like yeah look at me high five and then you walk out the room and i always remember because normally if i'm in a, in a room or i'm in town somewhere training you know you're kind of all pumped up and you're good and i'll be walking down the street and then someone will say good day ben and i'll be like hi how are you how do i know you and they're like you still got your name badge on, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of like, yes. yeah. so you have, so I just, it just made me laugh because, you know, you're, and particularly in the COVID world, there you are in this virtual world. And the next thing it's like, right, I've got to get myself to work on the bus or the car or something. You oh, know? yeah. No, I mean, I have like a, you know, something at like 1130 tonight and doing another, another webinar <laughs> and tomorrow. So, so and it's, it's this juxtaposition yeah, of doing absolutely. all of that and then flipping back to whether it's the sleep or it's just, just balancing it in. It, yeah. It's kind of, it comes back to what we're saying about, just managing what's coming in your way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you ever think it would be easier not to care? <laughs> <laughs> I have thought about that from time to time, but then what would be the point? You can't, right, because it's your value system. Like you yeah. said, it's just deep ingrained in who yeah. you are. Do you get frustrated with people that don't care and don't get it? I get frustrated with a lack of imagination. Go because um, the... You know, we can just do things so much differently. You know, if I think about Australia, right? So I'm, I'm, you know, a newly minted, r- relatively newly minted Australian, and when I think about, um, you know, the business model of Australia, which is essentially to like dig up rocks and dinosaurs and send them overseas, um, but here we are, this incredible country uh, with extraordinary people on the doorstep of Asia, extraordinary natural natural resources, huge landmass. You know, the business model of Australia should be, um, you know, the number one renewable energy producer of the world and um, the number one producer of natural climate solutions. And uh, with an extraordinary um, amount of, you know, know-how and scientific capability and technology. Like, that's, that's, yeah. the, that's the vision that I see for Australia. Um, so let's get behind it. Let's do that. And We've so got- I think when there's a lack of imagination, and but the lack of, the lack of imagination often is just right? It's also just tied to entrenched interests. Yeah. Um, so the other thing that's really important is getting a diversity of perspectives and viewpoints into all aspects of society. The two things that I worry about, Ben, are climate change and democracy. <laughs> Those are the two things I worry about a lot. <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's so strange, rather, because you talked about it just the other day that, like, for example, Singapore is renting currently huge swathes of land in the Northern Territory of Australia where they are farming solar energy. 
and they're taking back that solar energy for themselves. They pay a premium to rent the land. And, and I, when I heard about this, I was like, well, one, that's fantastic. But two, how stupid is it that it, that's not Australia's, you know what I mean? How silly is it that that is not a main export? We have all this land, you got all this mm. and this potential for natural energy sources. And it's like, what do we do? Why don't we have 12 Elon Musk gigafactories somewhere in South Australia? The land's flat, you know, we, we respect our indigenous people. We talk to them about making it happen, building a whole new industry. It's really strange. It's odd. It just requires us to do things in a different way. It requires us to think in a different way. It requires us to redistribute um, economic resources. Mm. It requires us to vote differently. Um, it will happen. Do but you, those are these are the changes that that are required. So I do get frustrated. So on my day to day basis, yes, I get frustrated yeah. with um, um, if people are not on the crusade. But I think that's one of the things I've learned as well. You've got to be convincing, and you've got to play the long game, and um, and that's fine. That's my job. That's what I need to learn how to how to do. And then there's just bigger, you know, bigger shifts that need to happen around you know, in society. And is it a lack of? I mean, I, I I think it's anything to do with society. I think there's, you know, fundamentally there's entrenched positions and mm. it's self preservation. But it's kind of ironic, and maybe it's this inability to think beyond next week or what's going on you know the, the, the clock's ticking and I, and I put myself in this boat right because you know as I said until you and I started talking I was I, I kind of got the concept and even now I still wonder whether I'm doing enough and I, and I don't know it's funny because I don't know what it is it's not that I don't see the importance and it's not and it's you know it's not me saying oh, I don't know what to do because I'm smart enough to work it out but maybe I haven't seen the cause and effect or maybe for me it comes back to this well so what? You know, if it's not for me, is it for the kids? But I think there's a lot of people like me, and it probably comes back to the, and it's you know it's a bit trouble. What can I do? It's like well, educate yourself, mate, right? And you know, as you said, I've got an imagination. If I want to, if I want to get my head around it, I can. That's why I found our conversations really interesting because I think when you look at the people that are interested, and this is some of the big corporations, you know, they're almost ahead. They're thinking about this. It's almost like you've got to find another way. And it does come back to human behaviour, right? It comes back to social proof. It comes back to the people that have got the um, control, the means to be able to make decisions. And I think everyone will follow if we make it easy for them. But I guess at the moment what I'm hearing is that we're not necessarily seeing that from a, from a leadership perspective here in Australia, right, from a government perspective. It's almost like at times we're having to convince. And it's kind of like, well, how much more convincing do you need? So so like if you were to, and again, it's, it's kind of a bore the question, bore the uh, ocean question, but like... How do you wake people up to this? I mean, obviously, you're investors, you're educating them, but they're almost partly there. But for everybody else, how do we get people to to take this seriously? You know, I, I can recycle, I can do all of that, but should I be doing more? Like, What, would, what advice would you give me? Help me. <laughs> I think the single most important thing is for uh, people to be informed and educated and to vote. I think that is the single most important thing because I, I completely believe in people power. And the only way that things will change is if people are actually mobilizing for the future that they want to see. Yeah. And the, you know, all of the action that we're seeing now from companies taking on net zero commitments, um, you know, all there's been an extraordinary amount of news in the, in the climate world in the last couple of weeks, you know, big shareholder action against Exxon, Shell, um, other big, uh, big oil and gas companies. That is the sum result of the last sort of 20, 25, 30 years of scientists, academics, people, activists, you know, all doing a huge amount of work in spite of government 
in action. Yes. And so if you just think what could happen and how this could just tip if government does take action, and it doesn't always have to be about national governments and federal governments. It can also be about local government and state government and building from the bottom up as mm -hmm. well. So local also really is super meaningful. So I think that's um, people need to people in you know democratic societies can have a huge huge change. And as an American, I kind of look at what's happening in the U.S. and this kind of whole assault on voting rights and you know um, entrenched in just trying to keep people from voting. And here you have a country where it's mandatory to vote. So go out and use it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's yeah, well, incredible. This is you know, we get more excited about a sausage chisel and taking a photo <laughs> of our dog down at the polling station. And again, it's, you know, I get that. But you know what's interesting? Because I think if I link it back to this, the psychology, the psychology of it, you know, it's always this short-term view. You know, as human beings, we're programmed to survive today, right? We're looking to feed today. This, this ability to comprehend the impacts that our actions have in the future you know, this, this delayed environment. You know, we are, it is that investment. And I think, you know, this comes back to what I see is that we're so busy doing today and surviving today that how do we create this space to make that connection? And yeah. I, I think that the nice thing is, I think it's generational as well. I, I, I do think that my generation, you know, grew up in the she'll be right, mate type thing. I, I sense with the younger generations to now, there's much more of a groundswell. The issue we've got is, and I think that tipping point is almost generational. When we, I'm not saying that anybody that's over 50 can't be, you know, socially aware, but I do think it's harder for some of us that have grown up in an environment where we've kind of it has been all right. But I think there's a groundswell coming. The challenge, as you said, is getting people active to get into vote, to start to set the policies, and to actually have that voice. And and you know, while we've still got a lot of, let's be honest, you know, white middle-aged men running the country, it's kind of hard, right? Because all they're saying is go back to school. But you kind of think, oh. You know, they just don't listen, do they? <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> and you've said that to me before, so it always makes me feel very guilty because it's like, that's me. Did oh. you see the sigh? It was like, no, I they know. don't. <laughs> no, they don't. Uh, it's also like, Ben, this is a, a tenet of the box and of your training. I think we both would have heard it. It's just like WIFM. You know, anyone who's going to listen to this podcast is going to hear this strange acronym, which is what's in it for me. Yeah. And what's in it for me, for us now is like, I wonder why our governments don't just turn it on its head. Like, for example, we've got enough space, like land mass, to have enough solar-generated electricity that you could essentially just cancel electricity bills. So if I ran the, say, for example, WA state government, I just build enough gigafactories and say, we don't have any electricity anymore. Like it's for if you live in yeah, but West mate, you're not going to get elected because all the people that pump the money in to get elected are going to run away from you, well, right? You got to start a grassroots campaign. But it has to be the grassroots, right? Because you, then you, you could heard just, it here, people. You could just, <laughs> but you could just say, well, that's what I I think yeah. about the whiff all the time. Like what's that's in it for me. What's in it for me is those people uh, who are voting. You could say, for example, I want, I like the idea of not having to pay electricity anymore, and know that it's all. Solar generated electricity, yeah, for and example. I think, um, yeah, and I think Australia has, you know, one of the highest rates of household solar adoption in the world. I think yes. it's like 50 or 60%. So yes. it's pretty significant. Yeah. Well, so much so now that they're going to penalise people for putting it back in the grid. Did you hear this one? So basically, <laughs> if you, you know, because we've got too much yeah, now, so yeah, if you're yeah. gonna, they'll penalise you for, for selling it back. Yeah. And, you, and then, you know, again, it's... And maybe it's interesting because as a, as a passive consumer, and I think this is the difference, right, Ryder? And I think what you are and what I've seen is you're an active consumer. You, you think and you care and you do. And, and I think I, I am in I am personally in certain things, but I think I'm a passive consumer in other things. But I think your your message, which is 
you know, educate yourself, have a say, have an opinion. Even if, I guess, it, someone like yourself, I know, even if I disagree, that's okay because we can have a conversation. Mm. But you've got, an in, you've got an opinion that's informed. And maybe that's what this is about. I mean, and, and for me, to a certain degree, that does come back to what I think is my, my passion. It, it's, it, see, it's always to wake people up. It's to get people to stop and think. I'd rather ask you the question. So it's a delight for me because when you say, you know, the questions cause the thinking that's it at least let's ask the questions and if people choose to move on so be it but they can't claim ignorance and that's the thing that i struggle with is that oh i never knew it's like no rubbish you will know we might not have understood but we chose not to understand and i think yes. there's a lot of that she'll be right ignorance type piece but the message is go educate yourself right mm -hmm. and exercise that vote mm -hmm. let's flip it i got we got to just want to finish up because the other part and this is this is why it's so interesting to have a chat with you because you, you're also i think an excellent role model and i know you sort of through your through the different education that you do and you mentor and what have you, I mean, as a as a as somebody that is a you know, I, I guess you a, a trailblazer, you know, someone that's working, you know, come through the startup, that's somebody that's you know got a voice and got a platform to a certain degree. You, you do, I guess, there's a lot of people sort of come to you, particularly I guess looking for advice about well, how do I get into the industry, how do I get into the sector, and also how do you manage your career. So when you're mentoring and talking to these younger people around. Like if somebody you know wants to get into the industry, for example, or wants to find that voice, what advice do you give them? Like you know, how do you, how do they have a career like yours if they're interested? That's probably the better question. On a, in a general sense, I mean, there's probably three things that I tell people. So that first is that conversation about, um, you know, what's the lifestyle that you want? What makes you happy? You know, some. Students will come to me. Um, I, I went to uh, Yale to do my master's, so I did a, an MBA and a, and a master's in environmental studies. And so I have a lot of interaction with, with graduate students um, uh, at Yale. And so I'll have students come to me and say, oh, I feel like I should go and work in an investment bank so I can like go get the skills. And then I'll go and you know work for the startup or do the environmental thing. And what I say to them is there's no should. Um, you have one life that you're living right now, and if you don't want to go work 17 hours a day for an investment bank, <laughs> don't do it. There's no point. You know, just go do what you enjoy that makes you feel good uh, in, in your life. I think the second thing that I say to them is um, think about what it, what it is that you actually really care about, um, uh, whether it's an, it's an issue, it's, it's a way of um, bringing your skills to the table. Um, do you like numbers? Do you like interacting with people? You know, really think about, and that, that just has to be unique to you. Don't ever feel like that you need to be somebody else or compare yourself to someone. It's your vision for what you want to do. And I, I tell them about, you know, my thoughts around um, wanting to work on, you know, business in the environment. It was just a really simple thing, but it kind of, guided me you know for for all of these all of these years and the other thing is um that the people that you surround yourself with are incredibly important i've been so lucky in my career these last 20 years that um i've been around smart people i've been around people who've taught me new skills i've been around people who were interested in building my network and and keeping in touch and i haven't had that many jobs since i graduated from university i think i've had three um and but what we're so special about all what's been so special about all of these roles has been the the people that I've um, that have been part of yeah. those roles. And so that's the other thing I tell students is um, 
really think about the people that you're going to hook your hook your sail to, or I don't know what the metaphor is, but like, who, you know, who, who you're going to hook up with, because they're going to really... I don't set, know if that's the right metaphor, but anyway. Really, yeah, yeah. Um, but really think about who yeah. you're going to engage with professionally, because um, they're going to be the ones that set you on certain on certain paths. Um, and those are kind of my three my three rules to kind of live by in terms of thinking about career development it's interesting isn't it because i still wonder there's also a wonderful humility about you as well you know because you and i've spoken about this and and i think sometimes and it's kind of nice in a sense because I, I you know I, I think you're almost surprised at times sort of when people say things to you right because <laughs> you know you because you because literally you do have this cause and this passion you know you know i've had a number of conversations but you go, i don't know why they're saying that and i'm like well, I can tell you why they're saying that. And I think we probably just had a 40-minute conversation, which explains why people would say that. But, you know, it's almost like at times the joy of it is, is, you know, when you're looking, as you said, when you're looking to do something connected with who you are and close to an intent, it becomes much more about that process of learning as we go through as opposed to the rewards along the way, et cetera, which I think is, you know, an interesting space to get to. I think everybody can get there. What it also does is means that whatever we do is never actually the end result, right? So it always, you keep working at it. And there's always that constant kind of, oh, okay, I'm, I'm, am I winning? Am I winning? Oh, we are winning, you know what I mean? And it's not so much about winning in the work delivery. I think it's more about the winning personally in terms of, and just appreciating that what you're doing is making an impact and having a difference. Mm. I think, you know, I always worry that when we start believing our own hype, it kind of becomes like, do I lose that? So, you know, but to a certain degree, I think if we just keep questioning, as you said, it also creates this environment where we continually learn as well, which is partly what this process is about so it, it's it, it's fun hearing you talk because i think you know the, the 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 consciousness that you said at the beginning and that you've evolved probably puts you in good stead and i, I don't know how people find that to be honest with you unless they stop and they think unless they think about what's important to them unless they go back to their values unless they actually challenge what should be i imagine there's a whole lot of people coming out today living and potentially working around what life should be like so that conversation about there's no should think about and i guess for the majority of people they're probably in a privileged position mm. to have choice which goes back to what you've seen in your history some don't have a choice so if we have that choice then we should probably exercise our right and choose to use it and i'm not again i'm just no personally at times i probably don't so for me that comes back again not just to saying all right in this context it's great but how do i live a life that's making a contribution and maybe I'll get there. Maybe with some coaching from you in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think for me and for the listeners, you know, the opportunity is to kind of draw on whatever it is they take out of these conversations. I want to mm. thank you because I think you and I have had, and I've learned some stuff today which I haven't learned before. And I think it's kind of nice just to hear you here and have a chat. And I love the idea that deep breathing and sleep can actually change the world and I think that's <laughs> we've got to say that's the what's in it for me yeah. if we can create that with them yeah. and that's the duality and you that position that'd be kind of cool thank you Ben my pleasure Blake thank as always Blake. thanks Ben thanks Rather. this is yeah, pretty inspirational I must say oh, thank you you are you are so ladies and gentlemen when all is said and done more is said than done um, this is something that I think we do need to talk about, but I also think actions will ultimately speak louder than words. So enjoy yourself, stay safe, and we'll look to catching up next time on the uh, Box I Live In podcast.